0: Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I can do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. So I want to begin this morning really by a challenging question. And you may actually feel a little bit uncomfortable with it. But I think it's a question that I think about and hopefully all of us think about as well. And here's the question here. If this was or is your last year of life, what might you do? Now, don't take it lightly. This past year here at West Maine, we, we had a number of our members who passed away. Some expected or some understanding, okay, their time was short, but also some unexpected. And I want you just to think about that for a moment. Let that settle. If this is your last year, and we don't know the day or the hour when Christ will return, and we don't know when our last breath will be, but if we did, if we knew that today or tomorrow or the end of the year is our last year, what might change in our lives? What would be on your schedule that maybe was not currently on your schedule today And what might need to be taken off your schedule if you knew that this was your last year? The reality is, these are things that we should be thinking about. We are to be anxiously waiting for the return of Christ. And as we think about life, we need to understand that that we have one life to live. And when I say one life to live, I'm talking about here on this earth. Obviously, when we die... And when the Lord returns, we will spend eternity either in heaven or in hell. But we have this life right now. We have this one life to live. And there's a book in the Bible, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, as I was studying this last year, in chapter one, Solomon, the preacher, he talked about, he talks about life under the sun. And he describes life under the sun as being vanity. In chapter one and verse one, the words of the preacher, The son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's kind of a discouraging book when you read it. It may make you a little bit depressed. But one of the things I also noticed is at the end of the book, look over in chapter 12, as he talks about life under the sun, he ends it in verse 8 the same way as he started in chapter 1. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And from the beginning to the end, he talks about this life under the sun. Yes, we will have special moments and hopefully joy and happiness. He talks about eating and drinking and being merry and enjoying the wife of your youth in chapter 9. And working hard with your hands in chapter 9 and verse number 11. But he also reminds us about the challenges of life under the sun. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, everything was perfect. And then sin entered into the world, and the world was cursed, and things have been challenging ever since. And as a result of this, the preacher in Ecclesiastes reminds us to look above the sun, to look to God. He reminds us about Christ. God and the fact that we need a relationship with God and that we need to be reminded that we need to remember the creator in the days of our youth and that one day we are going to be judged by God and he sums it up at the end of the book the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person for God will bring every act to judgment everything which is hidden whether it is good or evil and so how we look at life under the sun, the one life that you and I have, it really matters. It matters how we live our lives. And I don't want to talk about that for a few minutes. How should we live this one life that we have? Or this new year that we have? Are we going to dedicate this new year to God and the, the rest of our lives to God? How we live matters. We only have this one life. And so what we do with it as stewards, with what God has given us, is going to be very important. As we talk about this one life to live, and as you think about planning your 2023, I think it's important that we also understand some false doctrine that's out there about life. And false doctrine that's out there about how we view this one life. And the fantasies that sometimes people really enjoy and like and can sometimes get caught up in and let me tell you what i mean by that there are different teachings out there that will teach that well no you don't have just this life to live you're going to have multiple opportunities so if you don't get it right now in this life well you'll have another opportunity at another time let me give you an example of this one of the false doctrines that is prevalent in the world is reincarnation and this is the idea that teaches that when one dies, their soul will be reborn into another physical body and get another chance of life. And sometimes this shows up in books, it shows up in movies. And when I was studying this, it was interesting because depending on how you live in one life, when you are quote-unquote reincarnated, based upon your deeds, you may have a a worse life, that second go-around, or the third go-around. Well, that's not true. You see, the Bible helps us to see in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 7 that when we die, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Why would this doctrine of reincarnation be appealing to people? Well, it's the idea that, well, I get another chance at this. Get another at-bat, so to speak, right? If I don't get it right this time, then I'll have another opportunity. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. No, we need to consider our souls and our lives today. We have this one life. And what about premillennialism? The idea of the rapture where God takes up certain people and then there are certain individuals who are left behind. Uh, Those are popular books and doctrines that are out there. And if you can persevere during those seven years of persecution... Then you'll get this additional chance, but that's not what the Bible teaches. This idea it doesn't is not found in the Word of God. What we find in the Word of God is that one day Jesus will return. Will you turn over to First Thessalonians chapter four? In First Thessalonians chapter four, we are reminded that one day Jesus will return. And Paul did not want the saints to be uninformed about those who had fallen asleep, those who had died, so that they would not grieve as the rest who have no hope in verse 13. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. What Paul is teaching here is that when Jesus returns, he is not going to establish a physical kingdom. The kingdom is already here. It is a spiritual kingdom, according to John chapter 18. The kingdom is here. And when he comes back in verse number 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. The Lord will be in the air and we will be caught up with him. When he returns in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10, Peter had to encourage the Christians to remain faithful and to trust what God had said because there were some who were mocking the Christians and what they believed. Well, this promise has not yet taken place yet. But Peter would remind them that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Everything is going to be burned up. No one's going to be left behind because everything is going to be burned up. Which is why, he said, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? You have this one life, and how you live, it matters. Peter says you need to be holy in your conduct, awaiting the return of Jesus Christ. So the ideas of of reincarnation, that's a false doctrine. Or premillennialism, that's a false doctrine. But yet sometimes it may be appealing because, well, maybe I can get another chance. If I don't get it right this time, I'll have another opportunity later on. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. We have this one life to understand and to make sure that we are right with our God in heaven. The, The Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. They have some catchy commercials that are out there. And they have a doctrine. I just went to their website. And what they teach and what they perform is what's called proxy baptism, where those who have already died, certain Mormons, if I'm correct, it's the priests or certain individuals or elders, can be baptized for those who have already died so that they may be saved. You see the problem with that? This idea that, well, yes, this person has already died, but, you know, I can be baptized for them so that their sins will be forgiven. It's the idea of you get this other opportunity. Even after you die, you can still get things right with God through somebody else. And I find it interesting that this was preached at a funeral by Joseph Smith. How comforting. But false doctrine is not comforting. It's deceiving. And here's the reality. When you open up the Word of God, the Bible teaches look over in Mark 16 and verse 16. This idea of what we do with our lives now, we need to consider what Jesus has to say. Jesus sent out his apostles in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15 and 16, and he told them go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. If one is going to be saved from their sins, they must first believe. In Acts chapter 2, remember on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 souls were saved. But before they were baptized... They had to repent of their sins. And I want you to notice something in verse number 40. I think this is interesting as well, where Peter would say to that crowd in verse number 38, he said, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself, And with many other words, watch this, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Or some translations may say, save yourselves from this wicked generation. How do they save themselves? By responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ, not by or through someone else. Each individual has to make that decision that they are going to respond to the message of Christ. This idea that another person can be baptized to forgive the sins of someone else or to have someone else's sins forgiven or to save someone even after they have died, that is false teaching and not found in the Word of God. But you see these ideas and these false doctrines that kind of try to go around this idea of this one life and, well, you get this additional opportunities and chances, and even when you think about those who don't don't believe in God, like atheists, you think about atheists and what they believe and, and what they teach and really their own faith, that they just focus on life right now. This is all there is. There is no God. And when you die, there's nothing else. And many people have gone down this path of atheism and have just, you know, have lost any hope, hope of life, hope of eternal life. And that's not what the Bible teaches either. And there's a lot of different ideas. You only live life once, so just basically kind of do whatever you want to do. Well, that's not what I'm talking about either in this one life that we have to live. You see, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, "...in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth." It is God. He exists. And the Bible shows that and demonstrates that from the very beginning. Look over in John chapter 5. I want you to listen to what Jesus has to say here. In John chapter 5, Jesus speaks about both the righteous and the unrighteous. And he helps us to see that even after we die, death is not the end. It is really just the beginning. In John chapter 5 and verse number 28, do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Notice what he's saying. One day all will hear his voice and the righteous will be raised. Verse 29. And those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment, both the righteous and the wicked will be raised. Death is not the end. People make these claims that this is all there is. No, we are spirit beings, and our bodies will go back to the dust of the ground. Our spirits will return to the Lord, and one day we will hear the voice and the the, the trumpet, and the graves will be emptied. Death is not the end, but there's a misconception, a misconception that a lot of people have with respect to this kind of thinking. And so as we think about this one life, I want you to think about and be aware of these false doctrines that are out there. That can sometimes be appealing to people because it's giving them hope of multiple chances or alternatives or ways around what is reality. And as you think about false doctrine, there are also fantasy, science fiction, fiction stories uh, that can be captivating, that kind of promote this idea as well of, no, there's more than just this one life to live. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean by that. Well, here's another example here. Heaven is for real. I don't know if you ever read this book here. This is about a young boy um, who made the claim that he um, died and went to heaven. You guys remember this book? Now, heaven is for real. All right. We know that Colossians chapter one and Matthew chapter six. But this book is not for real. And that may sound harsh. But this idea of individuals who say they have died Then they go to heaven, and then they come back to tell everybody what they experienced in heaven. That is not real. But again, it it promotes this idea of multiple chances. You can die, you can go to heaven, you can come back. But the Bible is very clear. Uh, In in James chapter 2, the body without the spirit is dead. And you think about the story in Luke chapter 16, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. In in Luke chapter 16, the, the rich man died, and the rich man did not come back to tell his brothers. He was wanting someone else to go and tell his brothers to prepare them. But these kinds of stories and testimonies are appealing and attractive, because Again, it's this idea of, well, yeah, he had another chance. But the Bible helps us to see we have this one life. And when we die, we're not going to be able to come back on this side of life. When Jesus returns, we will all be raised from the grave. We need to be aware of this kind of false doctrine because it's very appealing, but it also is very deceiving. I got a little bit ahead of myself, and I'll talk a little bit about The idea of fantasy that's out there. You have all of these universes, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the multiverse. And the multiverse is this idea of, well, there are multiple U's out there in in different universes. And I thought it was interesting... Uh, there's a CNN article that actually talks about this whole fascination, why the multiverse is a movie fantasy for our times. It's the idea that somewhere out there in the universe, there is another Ben out there. Maybe he's doing something different than I'm doing, or maybe there's another you out there. They're doing something different that you're doing. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 45, I think this is interesting. In Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 18, There's such great fascination about is there life on other planets and what about other people that may be out there. But in Isaiah 45 and verse 18, the Bible says, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens. He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. This is the planet that God created to be inhabited, not other planets that are out there. And this is the planet that Christ came to save man from our sins. So this idea of a multiverse or different yous that are out there, that is fiction. That is not real. And our young children need to understand between fact and fiction. Time travel is a big thing, right? Time travel is in all the movies. And I was thinking about this when I was younger. One of the big shows that was out there was Quantum Leap. That was a big show where it talked about time travel. Why is that so appealing to people? It's appealing because if you can go back in time, then you can fix your problems. Or if you go forward in time, you can warn someone of something that is getting ready to happen. But that is not what we find in the Word of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 talks about there's a time for everything. There's no evidence of any kind of time travel. This is our life that we have right now and we need to be wise with what we do with it but this idea and this fantasy and fiction of multiple chances opportunities seeking to fix what has been wrong to be made right while it can be very appealing and captivating it simply is not true and maybe you can't read that but i thought this was interesting it's even gone into the animal kingdom right cats have how many lives They got nine lives. That's what people say. And that's been going on for centuries now, going back to the days of of William Shakespeare in the 1500s, talking about this idea of nine lives. That's that's fiction. But there's this draw and this attention of multiple chances, multiple opportunities. But the reality is we have this one life. And so as you think about your life this year in 2023, and if this was your last year, is your last year, and it could be for me. And for you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your one life? What are you going to do with your time? Well, who better to listen to than Jesus? And we need to listen to Jesus because in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by or through me. We need to listen to Jesus because in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4, Paul said that he is declared to be the Son of God through the resurrection. We need to listen to Jesus because in Acts 2 and verse number 33, he is at the right hand of God, reigning in heaven. And we need to listen to Jesus as you think about your life, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word, Jesus, became flesh. The one who created the world came into the world, and Jesus has given us exactly what we need to know. As we look at 2023. So what is it that Jesus wants us to do with this one life that we have? I want you to consider a couple of thoughts here. Number one, Jesus wants us to be rich toward God. Will you turn over to Luke chapter 12 real quickly here? This parable, and we studied this last quarter in, the, in our Bible class in Luke chapter 12. We read about a man and the point that Jesus is going to make in this parable here is to be on your guard. In 2023, be on your guard against greed and covetousness. And I know that not you know this isn't something that we may always talk about, but this is something that Jesus talked about a great deal, about life about greed, about having more. And as he talked to this, this man who asked him a question to divide his family inheritance, he said in verse 15, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even one who has an abundance does his life consist of his possession. That's a hard thing sometimes to internalize. That despite all the things that we can accumulate, they all can be gone in a moment. There's a house in our neighborhood a couple of weeks ago that went up in flames. On Christmas Eve, our life is not about possessions or how much we have. And the parable of the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And that's a good warning for us to be careful how we think and how we view our possessions and and how we even view ourselves with all the things that we have. He said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for you for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. And what a shame it would be if the Lord returned this year or if we ended our lives this year. And that is how we are described as being a fool. This man was not rich toward God. He was poor. Yeah, he was rich with the possessions that he had. And he said to his soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man. So be careful. Look at this story here. Look at this man here. So is the man who stores up treasures or treasure for himself himself. And is not rich toward God. you want to be rich toward God today? Make sure that you are right with God. Make sure that you have been saved from your sins. And young people, I want you to listen. This, this applies to you as well. You may not be working 40 or 80 hours a week right now. But you need to consider your soul salvation in your one life night right now. If you are not saved and in fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ where we are made complete and hidden with Him according to Colossians chapter 3. And you are not rich toward God. You're missing the very thing. And so many people today on January 1st, they have a big hole in their heart. And no amount of resolutions or words or journals or trips or motivation talks will fill that void. Only Jesus Christ can fill that hole in their heart. And that is the missing piece that everyone needs. And as Christians, let us not let go of that missing piece to try to gain the things of this world. What to do with your one life? Be rich toward God. Make sure that you are right with God. If you're not saved, we want you to be saved today. That's how you start off 2023, saved from your sins, because you don't know when your life is over, and I don't know when mine is either, but you can know your salvation. You can know where you are going when you are in Jesus Christ. That's how we can be rich toward God. You can be rich toward God by being a servant of his and doing his will. Jesus says, here's what you need to do with your one life. You be rich toward God. And here's what else you need to do. You need to start thinking more about losing to gain. And Jesus talks about this idea of losing our lives and to gain what Christ and God can give to us in Luke chapter 9. Look over in Luke chapter 9. Jesus talks about the types of gains that so many people in the world go after. They go after the wrong gains. And they will lose the most important thing, their souls. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Go back to verse 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That needs to be and our goals and resolutions, our to-do list, take up our cross every day and follow me. Maybe the one word to best describe 2023 and beyond. People like picking out words. What if we just focused on the word discipleship? That covers everything, doesn't it? Discipleship. Being a disciple of Jesus. Because when we are a disciple of Jesus, we will always be wanting to know more about our Jesus because we're trying to follow exactly in His footsteps. What did he say and how did he live and how does he want me to respond? That is where our focus needs to be in 2023. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is not optional. It is what Jesus demands from all of us. He must come first, not my will, but his will must be first. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world? And how appealing is that? Power and prestige, prestige and, and appearance and reputation and honor. You can have it all and still ultimately have nothing. Jesus says, No, you need to lose. And once you start losing your life and losing your will and submitting to me and putting me first, then that's how you're really going to gain. And that's how you'll be with me one day in heaven. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Look over in Hebrews chapter 12, will you please? In Hebrews chapter 12, I want to challenge you this morning. When you go home today or when you're in the car or this week as you are making your plans, maybe you've already looked at your calendar. Maybe you're already ahead of the game. I want you to think about the Hebrew writer here. He's writing to Christians who are struggling And he's writing to Christians who are on the verge, potentially, of letting go. He's writing to Christians who are dull in their learning and hearing. They have become sluggish. And he's writing to them to encourage them to not lose their confidence in Christ. And he encouraged them in chapter 11. And brothers and sisters, we need to be encouraged. We need to be reminded that it is possible to live a faithful life. That the things that we go through right now are just temporary. Because even though we have this one life, this is not the end. It's really only the beginning. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, he talks about these men and women of great faith. And what they endured. And so in chapter 12, he says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, us, let us, here it is, lay aside every encumbrance. So number one, What do you need to lay aside in 2023? And I'm not just talking about carbs and sugar. Although, I need to lay those aside too. Maybe you do too. But far bigger than that. What do you need to lay aside? I want you to see the distinction. Lay aside every encumbrance and the sin. So maybe some things are not necessarily sinful, but they are holding you back from being the disciple Jesus wants you to be. Holding you back from your service at West Main, or holding you back just, you know, your own personal growth. What do you need to lay aside? I can't answer that for you. You have to answer that for yourself, which means that we have to examine ourselves. We have to look in the mirror. But notice he did say, and the sin which so easily entangles us. What sin entangled you in 2022? What arrows does the devil always pull out to shoot at you? What do you need to leave behind? The things that entangle you and me. He says, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, this one life that we have It's much bigger than just the here and now. There's something waiting for us. There's something ahead. We are running towards something far better. And so even when the race gets long and tedious and discouraging and we feel we're in despair, what we need to do, we must fix our eyes on Jesus, verse number 2, who is the author and perfecter of faith. who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's how Jesus wants us to live this one life, with endurance, perseverance, patience, holiness, and letting go of the things that are giving us no value and worth, but rather could cause us to miss out on our prize in heaven. Let those things go. We must lose our lives And Jesus must come first. This is how we live in 2023. Be rich toward God. Life is about losing the gain. And then finally, life is about service. Jesus wants us to be a servant. Make me a servant just like your son. Jesus was a servant. He came to serve. And we find this great example right before he died on the cross in John chapter 13, where he served his apostles and was teaching them about service. And he attached... A blessings with this idea of being a servant and Luke in John chapter 13 as he washed their feet he reminded them in verse 14 he said if I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did for you you see discipleship that's what it's all about I want you to follow in my footsteps be like me in 2023 even more truly truly I say to you a slave is not greater than his master nor is one who was sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, brothers and sisters, do we know these things? If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Notice that as well. It's one thing to know, but then it's another to actually do. That is where we have to bridge that gap. Not only to know, but to do. And as we serve him. Jesus tells us the kind of heart and kind of uh, the kind of perspective that we are to have in Luke chapter 17. Uh, Jesus tells us in verse 10. so you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we have ought to done, ought have done. Jesus wants us to serve. And there's an opportunity this year, like every year to serve. In this local congregation. And service is not just being up here in the pulpit. There's a lot of different ways to serve throughout the week. And getting to know your brethren through the, the member care, those who are in need. There's always an opportunity to serve. And there's the opportunity to serve in the community. And I'm not talking about feeding, you know, having meals and things like that. Individually you can do things like that. But there's a bigger need out there. Souls need salvation. And that's how we can serve. Our mission statement is really easy. Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the world would have us to say or to think that, no, it's more important to gain the whole world and to gain you know, power and reputation and prestige. But Jesus says, no, you are going to be blessed if you serve or when you serve. Acts 20 and verse 35, and everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that is the kind of heart that we need to have. And if you look at this list here, if we engage in this in 2023, that's a pretty big year. Becoming more rich toward God, losing to gain and submitting to his will. And being people who serve and do his work. 2023, I think is going to be an amazing year. Every year is going to have obstacles. But how we view life makes all the difference. And we can look at life as being half, like the the, the, the water, uh, jar of water being half full or half empty. But with Jesus, we should always be optimistic. Because the best is yet to come. And here's the reality. And you start thinking about this year. This year is not just merely about our own personal goals. We need to be reminded that this one life that we have is not all there is. Eternity is on the other side. And so in this life that we have, we must dedicate ourselves to doing the work and the will of God. This life is helping to prepare us for the life to come in Second Peter in chapter three. I already read this text here. In Second Peter chapter three, he talked about the fact that one day the Lord will return. He will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and the, its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Because Jesus will return one day. This is how we live our lives. Lives of purity, holiness, and godliness. That is how we live this one life. And I want us to hopefully be encouraged as we go out tonight or today. As you think about 2023. of What is to come? Not just this year. But when Jesus returns. It's going to be an awesome day. So let's prepare Like today is that day. And let's make sure this one life that we have counts. Where we worship, we sacrifice, we suffer, and we anxiously await his return. Are you prepared for his return? Have you been living your life according to your will? Well, today is your day to change. And maybe you need to be saved from your sins. We'd love to help you to do that today. I'm going to stand right here. We're going to stand and sing a song of invitation to encourage you to consider your soul salvation. Let's all stand and let's all sing. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog where you can find hundreds of encouraging motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects you can find all of my books which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people I hope this helps please leave me a rating and a review I can do and so can you take care and God bless